crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. Okay. How do we do this again? <laughs> Hello. And welcome. To this week's episode uh, of Crime and Me. <laughs> what? I like your radio voice. Isn't it spooky Halloween? It's, sp- night? it's like spooky jazz. Halloween's coming up. I'm super excited. Halloween. I'm getting a little smooth jazzy right it now. It is like, very exciting. Gonna hear a. Welcome to your smooth jazz Halloween. There's gonna be a saxophone playing soon. Oh, I wish. <laughs> a jack-o'-lantern playing a saxophone. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Criminy. We're your hosts, Matt and Ange. And we're going to tell you some stories. We will. Indeed. It's story time, kids. And I can hear Toby, like, eating in the oh, background. good. So I'll be able to He's hear eating, like, him eat. Wet chicken. Ew, uh, <laughs> why are you eating <laughs> wet chicken? It's juicy. This is the sound of wet chicken, smooth jazz. Wet and chickeny. Mm. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go first. I got my story from mostly a Texas Monthly article. Ooh, Texas. And, uh, yeah. So. Also, what the fuck, Texas? Oh. What the fuck? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Yikes. Yikes. Ooh, big embarrassment. <laughs> Ooh, going back to the Stone Age. Well, everything's bigger in Texas, so even the embarrassments That's are huge. quite Just large. Huge embarrassment. Yikes, guys. Yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> Anyone sane living there? I'm sorry that's happening. Also, get out. Yeah. Get the fuck <laughs> if you out. you can. <laughs> If you can, and if you can't, sorry, sorry, (laughs) so sorry, hang in there. Okay, back to me and my story. Okay, Okay. it's not even your story. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) You're right, it's not. This Texas Monthly article was very wordy. It was really good and entertaining but it was one of those like vanity fair articles that went on and on where you start getting carried I, away yes, with the story yes and then i was <laughs> like why, in the why do i need to add this detail crisp autumn leaves I, crashing yes. under your so feet so forgive me for <laughs> being it's gonna blurry. get real editorial it's up in very, here <laughs> yes i tried to limit myself but it's hard when someone paints such a flowery it's picture it's hard when you get swept up in the whole yeah yeah the story and then it was like man i wish that all the articles that we read about every case was written you know with information yeah that's the dream right that's the dream (laughs) (laughs) journalists who are great at their job ah so on june 13th 1980 which happened to fall on a friday which Friday the thirteenth? Go <gasps> witches! Ooh, go witches! Spooky. Toby is ringing his bell in agreement. Oh, I don't good. know if it picked up. Cats <laughs> unite. Um. So a man named Alan Gore, which Gore, what a good name for a Friday the thirteenth, right? For a Halloween Ooh. special. 
Man, I didn't do like a Halloweeny one. I didn't mean to, and it's not really Halloweeny. It's oh, just okay. and you're it's just making ha- it. Well, it happens at like Friday the thirteenth, but it's in June and. Well, I do want to give a shout out to Friday the 13th. It's actually a lucky day, especially for women. So watch out. Oh, I do like a Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Ah! Anyway, <laughs> so Alan, he was away on a business trip and he was having trouble reaching his wife. He had called uh, the house multiple oh. times and got no response. Oh, no. Which was very unusual since Betty was really reliable, and at the time he was calling, she would have no reason to not be by the phone. That has to be so nerve-wracking. Yeah. And this is 80, so no one has cell phones, so if they left the house, you can't, yeah. Yeah. Anytime before cell phones, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Betty and Alan lived in a small suburb of Dallas, Texas called Wiley, and Wiley was a small, tight knit neighborhood. Um, Is this where we're getting into the details? <laughs> you yes, you know, next to the Wileys was the <laughs> the Charlestons, and next to the Charlestons was the Bedfords, next to the Bedfords was the Nelsons. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so you know, small town. Everyone knows everyone. Alan called one of his neighbors to ask if he could go check on Betty. Because he was like, this is weird. She should be picking up the phone. She's not there. Yeah. So he called his neighbor, and the neighbor was like, sure, I'll go look. And he looked around and found an unlocked door. And uh, I guess there were a couple other neighbors that were out, too. And he was like, yeah, you know, Alan's looking for his wife. And I'm like, well, we'll help. And so they all, like, start looking around, and one of them finds an open door, an unlocked door. And they go in, and they didn't hear Betty, but they heard another noise coming from one of the rooms. Uh And when they entered the room, they found the couple's newborn baby in her crib crying. And she was kind of a mess. Like, it looked like she had been there for, like, the day, like, you know, dirty diaper and... Oh, God. Crying and everything. Yeah. So after looking around the house and not really finding Betty, they finally come come across the laundry room slash utility room, and that's when they found a horrific sight. Oh. So they grabbed the baby, and they went home and called 911. In the small room was the lifeless body of Betty. Uh, almost everything in this small it was like a 12 by 6 foot room was covered in blood oh god one of betty's arms was laying in a pool of blood so thick it looked like her arm was floating yeah what her left eye was open and her right eye was missing in fact most of the right side of her face was missing and they found out shortly after that she had suffered 41 axe wounds. Oh, my God, that's so brutal. A few feet from her head under a freezer was a heavy uh, wooden-handled axe about three feet long. Just left behind? Yep. Uh-oh. So the investigators obviously start doing investigating. <laughs> yeah. And collecting their evidence 
and they contacted Alan and they told him that he need he should come home and that his wife had been murdered. That feels so like vicious and anger filled. Yes. Doesn't it though? Yes. So back let's go back in time a little bit. Okay. Okay. So Betty had been a college student of Alan's. He was like a math teacher, I guess, at the time. And they fell in love, hopefully Don't after class. Love that. Fingers crossed. Don't love that. They were married in 1970. And like any good Texan, they attended church regularly. <sighs> and Betty became an elementary school teacher. And Alan was employed at Rockwell International, which was an electronics conglomerate. Wait, he went from being a math professor to a... Yeah, I guess he was just, like, into math, so he, like, I don't know that he, like, what, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure, like, it said that they met because he was her math teacher in college, but then maybe he had a change of career or something. Uh, uh Yeah, because he was dating a student, maybe? I, I maybe, don't know. Maybe, maybe they didn't, Texas, did, maybe but. it was, like, after, I don't know. They didn't give much Although, flowery details on that part. I know, I feel like in the 70s, like, sexual harassment was rampant, and it's just, like, how things were, so... It's just, you know, that's how you met your, your husband or wife. <laughs> I know. I mean, I shouldn't be like, you know, because he lost someone, but it's always an icky. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously the power dynamic, it like is bad unless you wait. It's till not you, great. Unless you wait till <laughs> you graduate or whatever. But like, it didn't seem like he was like, you know, terribly older than her or something. Okay. So w- there wasn't like the age like thing, but Yeah. At one point, he was a teacher of math, and she learned from him, and then they got together. I don't know the timeline. And then they had their first daughter named Alyssa, and during the time that Alyssa was born, Betty was experiencing probably what what is now like postpartum depression. Right. And she took some time off work, and uh, their marriage started to suffer a little bit. Um, and she also, I mean, like, for give her a break, she just pushed a watermelon out of her. Yeah, well, like, I guess Alan went on a lot of business trips, and, like, he went into the office every day, so, like, That's she didn't, she didn't like being left alone, and she's being left yeah. alone with a baby, and yeah. so and she was having, like, experiencing some mental health stuff. That's not a good time. Yeah, so she was having a really hard time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they went to church every week. Oh, thank God. (laughs) while attending church, one day, Betty met a woman named Candy Montgomery. And Candy and her husband, Pat, had recently moved into town with their two children. And Candy's kids and Betty's daughter liked to play. And they were, like, in a lot of the... This is, like, they're a little bit older now. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, jumping ahead a little bit. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I know the look on your face like an infant playing like of course they love they to, play to play with other infants <laughs> no. both laying on their backs <laughs> sharing tummy time I don't know love okay. a good tummy time yeah <laughs> no the kids are older so they're like actually playing and they were involved in some like you know kids church group things and like yes. sports things yes Yes. So the families became friends and did a lot of activities together. And during this time, Alan and Betty were trying for a second child. 
but we all know what that means. <laughs> well, we don't because apparently they didn't really. It was it. Alan said it was more like going through the motions. He wasn't like they were kind of like having issues together, and he, it seemed like, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like sex was kind of like, uh, ugh, we have to do this to have another baby. But I guess this, this is how we procreate. Yes. That's fun. And Betty, like everyone's having a good time. And Betty was on a kind of strict timeline because she didn't really want to take much time off work again this time. She wanted to, like, keep herself busy. So she was like, can we get this going, like, so that I can give birth during, like, summer break? And then, like, I can have the summer time to, like, you know, be the mom. Yeah. And then I can, I like, mean, go back to yeah. work. So I she, get it, yeah. She so she was, like, time you know, with her baby and her own life. Scheduled yeah. daily sex that was monotonous. <laughs> <laughs> Did the article go into for detail Jesus, or is this just something that <laughs> always for Jesus? Always for Jesus. Sex for Jesus. Um, but you know, Betty was still like depressed. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And it was like totally bumming Alan out. And <laughs> Alan, Alan was like feeling neglected. Oh and... no, Alan. But he like wouldn't say it to Betty. He was just like keeping it to himself. That's healthy. Yeah. This whole thing sounds so fucking healthy. It's like <laughs> unreal. Oh, it's good. Well, so a little bit about cat, cat. <laughs> I almost <laughs> called them cat and pandy. Candy and pat. <laughs> cat and pandy is much better. I like that. It's like a little panda bear and a cat yeah, that are married. That's yeah. much cuter. <laughs> yeah, I like that better. <laughs> All the adventures of Cat and Pandy. Oh. <laughs> no. Candy and Pat. They Pat. married in the early 70s as well. Her goal had always been to marry Rich. Ooh. Okay. Uh-huh. When they first got together, though, he wasn't rich, but he was one of the brightest electrical engineers at Texas Instruments. So she uh, was like, damn. he could make money. He's got the potential. He definitely has the potential. Yeah, she was like, he wasn't like, you know, much to look at, but he had the potential to make money. <laughs> we all have to have our own goals, I guess. Yes. And I mean, she worked too. She was a secretary, so, but she wanted to like be able to retire early, you know. For sure. <laughs> Get it, girl. And she she was an army brat who was used to moving around a lot. So she like would get bored really easily. Okay. Okay. The couple moved to Wiley in 1977, and their son and daughter, uh, with their son and daughter, and at this point, she was a stay-at-home mom while Pat was making money. Oh, living her dream. Yep. So, get it. It worked out. (laughs) (laughs) One day in 1978, Candy and Alan were at the church's volleyball courts playing some ball. Excuse me. That's what? right. The church had a volleyball court and a <laughs> gym. They have a team as well. What the? F- Texas is so fucking weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah, you know, God loves a good game. They also have like a smoothie bar brought to you by Jesus. Probably. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Like Jesus wine bar. Ju- Jesus' juice. Jesus juices. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus juices. <laughs> Jesus juice. Juice up on Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Get juiced on Jesus. Ooh, yeah, that's the best one. Get juiced on Jesus. <laughs> so, you know, they were like totally getting sportsy with it and they were playing. Clearly. 
uh, I guess it was like co-ed volleyball, which is like, uh, whoa, church, uh, you must be a little progressive. Okay, but they for sure weren't, the women <laughs> for sure weren't wearing the shorty shorts. Probably just the men were wearing uh, the probably. shorty shorts. Jesus does love a man in shorty shorts. But women cover your knees and elbows. I mean, They're ew, very sensuous. Yuck. And shoulders. <laughs> and all around cover body. It. Just cover up. Put a tarp cover on up. it. Anyway, so, you know, they were playing ball and the ball was coming towards them and they both ran and dove to get it and they both collided into each other. And who and who? I'm sorry, I got distracted by the candy and Alan. Oh, uh, oh. oh, and they wait, like, Alan is also an electrical engineer. No, he's working he, at an electronic star. Yeah, sorry. he I think he does math. He's a mather. He's a mather. And, well, uh, engineers are mathers. Yeah. Math. Uh-oh. Yeah, Pandy. They, they, Look out. They bumped right into each other, and um, I guess Candy, like, felt a spark when it happened. Shut up. Shut up. And then she later would say that Alan smelled sexy that day. Ew. <laughs> she liked his B.O. Yeah, all that sportsing. Oh, Pandy. Mm, candy mm-hmm. likey. Ew. <laughs> How romantic. It was pretty romantic. You see, for weeks before this incident happened, Candy had been talking to her friends about how she really wanted to spice things up in her life and that life with Pat had gotten pretty predictable and boring. What did she expect? <laughs> like, her main goal was to marry wealthy she did it, and then now she's bored. She's bored. Like she's okay, bored. girl. Pat's have boring. more goals maybe. Than Pat just, never. Pat know. never listens to her. Pat doesn't like. He just doesn't care. All he cares about is like numbers, and, and Jesus. making that money. You know, and Jesus. And okay. Jesus. Make room for Jesus. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. All three of them get oh, God in there too. Get him in. Group hug. Group hug. Everyone <laughs> in. Come on. So, you know, she kind of knew that life with Betty had been the same for Alan, that he was getting a little bored. Yeah. Was Alan more attractive than Pat? Honest answer, no. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No. And I will actually, somewhere in all of this, I wrote that, uh, oh, coming up. Coming soon. Oh, oh, okay. okay. I quoted a couple uh, different articles of, like, what people how he was described so love it okay okay so uh blah 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 they were both so alan and uh candy were <laughs> both the more personable halves of their marriages so they thought okay and they both loved playing sports and they were both singers in the church's choir oh god and they would playfully joke around with each other and every once in a while you know alan would give her a little wink ew (laughs) who are these people what the fuck who are they and like yes they had only known each other for like nine months up to this point but candy was sure that alan was sending her signals that he was interested in her too well, yeah, he was sending winks and sparks. Yeah. What else do you need? <laughs> Wafting that B.O. over towards oh, her. Oh, that just sex smell. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Alan. Alan. <laughs> Not on the volleyball court. Come on. 
So, so one night after choir practice, Alan was getting in his car to head home and Candy came up and she was like, I, I want to talk to you about something that's bothering me. And she like got in the passenger seat and then she oh, told God. Alan that she wasn't sure if she wanted him to do anything with this information, but she just had to tell him that she I was very, like, don't she like was her. <laughs> very attracted to him and okay. that she was tired of keeping it inside. And then yeah, where do you think this is going to go, Candy? Right after like, she said that, she that. just got out of the car and sprinted across the parking lot. <laughs> I hate that so much. Like, what a <laughs> fucked up thing to do. I hate it. It's kind of like the like it's so selfish. It's like, oh, I just had to like let you know. Yep. I don't know what you're gonna do with this information. But I had to let no, like no, you didn't. You could have kept it to yourself, <laughs> bitch. Like what? Well, Alan was like he was shocked, taken aback, but he was also was he? He was also kind of flattered, and he secretly but he's was. That's been winking. <laughs> Is he really that shocked about it? <laughs> you don't uh. wink at people just like. You just don't Actually, wink don't at people. I've never done it. So <laughs> don't, I don't, know. don't wink. It's creepy. <laughs> I really don't know what winks mean at all. <laughs> Maybe he had something in his eye. Maybe he was winking for Jesus. We don't know. Okay. <laughs> he was winking at Jesus. You gotta wink uh, at Jesus. It Have just you doesn't even look good. Winking. Where did it even come from? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's an old timey thing. I don't think people do it anymore. Let's hope not. Well, okay, so, yeah, I, I don't think that he was used to women finding him very attractive, to be honest. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't really find many pictures of him, but one article described him as unremarkable, small, and plain. That's flattering. Another said, Alan Gore wasn't a handsome man, but neither was he unattractive. Average is the adjective most suitable to Alan. <laughs> And then finally, one said, Alan had a receding hairline and the beginnings of a paunchy midsection, and he dressed blandly, to say the least. But I don't think that's the least you could say. That's like. But at least he smelled sexy, so that's good. He's got that going for him. Oh, candy. What the (laughs) fuck? I'm imagining like a lot of beige, like oatmeal tones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Khakis. <laughs> yep. So if that painted the picture, that's what he looks like. <sighs> I got an idea. Mm-hmm. Got an idea of a very average, a very little un- pudgy. Un- undescript. Basic. Basic. A basic bitch. Undescript. That's not the word. But no. what is the what word? What is the word? Nondescript? Yes. Yes. That's Nondescript. the word. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, undescript. That's um, not it either. <laughs> I knew it didn't sound right. No, it's on, it's non. Uh, on descript. On descript. Like on demand. That's right. But like the opposite, because you don't even know it's there. Yeah, right. Okay. So Alan was happy that a woman as happy-go-lucky as Candy had a crush on him. But he didn't think that he would follow through with anything, since he still loved Betty, and he like was really into, you know, marriage being, like, a forever thing. And he thought, like, yeah, they had problems, but she was his wife, so that's what he, you know, he was going to be... That's what it is. ...respectful, I guess. But it was really nice to think about. So great. (laughs) And wink about. Thinking and winking all about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So he winked his way back home. Mom's going to be like, too much wink talk. <laughs> Stop talking about like, winking. Get on with the get story. On with the I'm story. done hearing about winking. One more wink. <laughs> if you can't tell, we're winking at each other. We're winking at you too, Mom. Wink, wink, wink. wink. <laughs> okay. okay. So... About a week after Candy had confessed to about Alan. About a wink after. About, oh, about a wink <laughs> after. <laughs> they were the last two at the church gym after volleyball. Oh, no. And they were, like, helping clean the gym and being, like, really good, you know, Samaritans and cleaning the gym. And then they were like, okay, time to walk out to our cars. And Alan walked Candy to her car. And then when they what got the her, he asked her... Uh, now, what was it you had in mind? And the fuck? And Candy got in her car and was like, get in. And then the once fuck? he sat down, she wasted no time. She turned to him and she asked if he would be interested in having an affair. <laughs> yep. You thought that she was going to jump on him and start making out. But no, she was like, would you be interested in... Joining me in an affair. Oh, my God. And then Alan was like, well, I just don't think it would be right for us to do it. Then but why did you even ask what she had in mind? Like, what? Where? Well, but because the, and then he well, he explained that, like, uh, he was really battling with this because years ago, him oh and God. Betty lived in New Mexico and Betty had had an affair with a man Ooh. and that it really hurt Alan. So he was like, I don't want to cause Betty that kind of pain. Then don't have an affair, Alan. <laughs> and then Candy was like, that's fine. I love Pat, too. And then she was like, it's just something that I was thinking about and like wanted to know how you felt about it. Okay, Candy. <laughs> and then Alan said that, well, Betty had also recently gotten pregnant, and so that an affair would be pretty unfair to her. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. You did it, you unremarkable man. <laughs> <laughs> You went through the motions and you completed the. You got the job. Job done, sir. Uh, Candy was like, "Yeah, that's fine. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to like do anything. I just wanted to sleep with you, but if you didn't want that, like, that's fine. <laughs> that's all. That's I mean, fine. Like, whatever. I mean, she was like, but you know, it's always an option. If you would ever want to hook up, you just have to let me know." But I'm not going to mention it ever again. What does candy look like? Unremarkable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Not that it matters. I was just for my own, like. Nope. Beige. Think beige. Eye. More khaki. More beige. More Glasses. Male. Blonde hair. Uh, I knew she was blonde. Yeah. I well, with a name like candy, you kind of have to be, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know too With many the candies. Texan, Texan candy. candy. Yeah. You yeah. gotta be. You gotta be. Big hair, blonde. Especially in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, you know, I won't mention it again. He was like, okay. And then he like gave her a kiss and then got out of the car and ran to his. Oh my God. They're so mature. It's like <laughs> unreal. <sighs> um. So he, you know, obviously he's winking and thinking on his way home, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "It sounds more like a like a muscular disorder at this point." Uh, oh, oh, like the winking? Yeah, the winking. 
Oh, like, just it, like it's a, I like it's a tick. Yeah, kind. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. probably is now. Now, now I'm thinking that he's just winking all the time. I know, me too. That <laughs> kind of fits his character. Yep, <laughs> in my mind, he's a winker. He's a winker. A beige Once a winker, winker, always a winker. <laughs> Can't go back. So he's winking and thinking, and he's oh, yeah. like, you know, it would be kind of fun, but, like, I don't really want any trouble with Betty, and marriages are forever. But Betty and I aren't really connecting like we used to. Um, some friends of his from church suggested that him and Betty attend a special group put on by the church called Marriage Encounters, which was like a weekend getaway where like couples would like reconnect or whatever. I hate that name. <laughs> Can uh, you imagine a church event called Marriage Encounters? Yeah, no, I mean, I can. Bleak. <laughs> Um, their friend, the friends who had recommended it had gone on one of these trips and they came back and were like super happy and like super like weirdly joyous about their marriage. And, uh, yeah, because it's like a reprogramming event where you just go and listen to like Jesus songs and you all reconnect and like get jazzed on Jesus. Oh, you got to get jazzed on Jesus juice. And then you just like start winking. It's fucking amazing because you guys are winking all the time <laughs> and loving Jesus together. It's like great. You know what really holds a marriage together? Winking. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You've never felt sexier when your spouse has winked at you. Yeah, and tells you you smell great. Mm, volleyball bo. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh. So he was like, maybe, and he went to Betty, and he was like hey, we should go on this marriage encounters thing. And then she was like, why would we need to do something like that? That sounds stupid as fuck. Basically. (laughs) And then he was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. He's like, well, I gave it my all, so. I tried. She said (laughs) no. So I guess I'll take my winking to someone who cares. She's fucking pregnant and probably doesn't (laughs) want to, like, go to a fucking Jesus fest with you. Like, chill the fuck out. Plus, he's probably, like, never said anything, like, I think something is wrong or we need to talk about yeah. our marriage or work on anything. He just comes home and he's like, we need to go to this marriage encounters. And she's like, what the fuck? She's like, since when? Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Thanks for trying to talk to me first about the issue. Yeah, thanks for letting me know what was happening in your world. <laughs> thanks, Alan. Thanks. Unremarkable Alan. <laughs> Um, so a few weeks went by after Candy and Alan had had that little chat and a smooch and Alan decided to give Candy a call. A wink and a smooch. A wink and a smooch. Mm. Uh, she answered the phone and he asked her if she would like to join him the next day while he got his tires rotated in town and maybe they could get lunch and talk. That's so romantic. <laughs> also, I like how you added that she answered the phone. <laughs> I, oh, you never know. He could have left ring, a message. <laughs> Hello. You want to go to lunch? I got to get my tires rotated. You know what that means. You know. Wink, wink. wink. I can hear you <laughs> winking through the phone, Alan. <laughs> Candy and Pat had been arguing more lately. Well, yeah, because Candy wants to have a fucking affair. <laughs> well, yeah, but because Pat is just so boring. <gasps> He's so fucking boring. He's so boring. Candy was starting to feel like Pat didn't respect her and wasn't listening to her and just was kind of like blowing her off whenever she wanted to talk. 
Okay. And so she was just, like, kind of excited to, like, get to go talk to someone like Alan. Okay. She couldn't, like, call up a friend? <laughs> no. Okay. When Candy and Alan met up for lunch the next day, Alan handed her a birthday card since it was indeed her birthday. Oh, he remembered her birthday? Mm -hmm. He invited her out to get his tires rotated (laughs) on her birthday. Hey, they're getting lunch. It's not like she has to watch the tires being rotated. He's like, hey, I got to go to town anyway, so do you want to come along? So he was like, I'll rotate your tires if you rotate mine. And, and she's like, I don't know how to do that. And we'll go to a soup and salad bar. <laughs> I don't have one of those car lift things. <laughs> car we'll go to lift Panera. things. <laughs> we'll go well, to Panera oh. and get a soup and salad sandwich combo. Yes, soup and salad sandwich. You'll love this, though. The card, it was super cute. Okay. On the front, it said, for the last of the red hot lovers. Excuse me? <laughs> And on the inside was a little bag of red hot candies. <laughs> I hate that <laughs> so much. What? I knew you would love it How just as much as candy. Candy loved it and was touched by the thoughtfulness. And she thought it was like a funny little joke. Of course she did. <laughs> She's not that hard to win over, is she? <laughs> She's no. got to smell bad and wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Pat's pretty give boring, her some too. shitty candy. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Hey, he took her out for lunch and a good old rotation of the tires. So the two enjoyed their lunch, and they chatted about Betty and Pat and their kids and about church and stuff. And he was talking about his work, and she was talking about her this creative writing class that she was taking, and I guess... She had, like, talked to Pat about it, but he just, like, dismissed her and, like, didn't care. Yeah, he, yeah. So yeah. she was, like, so excited that Alan was interested. And then after they've talked about everything but the affair, Alan was like, so I've never done anything like an affair before. <laughs> and <laughs> Candy said that she hadn't either. And... Uh, he said that he wouldn't forgive himself if Betty ever found out about something like this. And then she was like, yeah, I don't want Betty or Pat to find out. So we'll just have to be really careful. What and a couple of dicks. <laughs> and uh, not like, let's tell them that we're not happy in our marriages no. and maybe like work on getting a divorce. No. And then they agreed that like whatever happened, though, they could not get emotionally involved with each other. It oh. had to be purely physical. My God. And yeah, they were like, yeah, it's already purely emotional. She's like, oh, I need someone to like listen to me talk and connect with over my creative writing class. Hey, that's a friendship. And then they're going to bang. Yeah. Friendships are like emotional. (laughs) The sex part can't be emotional. Fingers crossed. I mean, (laughs) pinky swear. Are you winking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But then they were like, well, maybe we should, like, really think about it and think about the risks and the hazards and everything. And, like, yeah, okay, obviously. let's really think. And they were like, all right, well, we'll meet up later. Let's go our separate ways. And they did. And then a week later. He's like, I'm going to leave you at this restaurant. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding a way home. Uh, so a week later, he and Candy talked more about the risks of having an affair. 
and they also talked about their mutual attraction to each other and how excited it was. That was so fun. So Mm. exciting. And Candy said, you know, if you don't go to bed with me pretty soon, Alan, you'll never be able to, or I'll never be able to, no, let me start that again. Yeah, start it over. (laughs) That was butchered. (laughs) She said, you know, if you don't go to bed with me pretty soon, Alan, then you'll never be able to live up to the expectation I have of you in bed. And then she giggled. What does that even mean? She's like building him up so much in her head by like anticipating that he'll never be able to live up what she's the longer she waits the more she's gonna put expectations i guess yeah that's reassuring yeah that's the thing that wouldn't give him performance anxiety at all no no i have high expectations for you alan and they're just getting higher by the do it yeah (laughs) (laughs) well the next month consisted of several strategy sessions discuss- discussing meticulous and meticulously planning the possibility of the affair. You know what? This is what makes <laughs> affairs so exciting is the planning part. <laughs> That's definitely the most like riveting part of an affair is yeah. the planning. I mean, they wanted to like make sure they had every angle covered. You got to compare schedules. You've got Whoa. to. Um, they wanted to have plans for like what they would do if someone saw them together or where would they go? Where would they have this affair? How often? What time oh. would they show up? What should be expected? They also agreed that they were going to keep emotions out of the affair and that it was best for everyone if it was just sex, like I said. And I'm already so bored with this affair. <laughs> they began calling each other daily to discuss in fine details how all of this would play out. Because that's really secretive and sneaky. You have a house phone. <laughs> yeah. What? They're well, like, they... we can't let our like husband and wife know, but we're going to talk on the phone like every day and talk about explicit details. Well, they would also meet up pretty regularly for lunch because yeah, that's not obvious either alan what? alan could set his own work schedule so it he was able to take like a couple hour long lunch and she was able to like meet him wherever the lunch was so they could have their soup and salad and except talk about, for during her creative yeah. writing class right 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 <laughs> and so they were like kind of getting used to having each other to talk to daily and yeah this sounds like it's not getting emotional at all <laughs> And then, you know, he would come home at night to Betty like nothing had happened. And he was, like, pretty amazed at how normal it felt for him and how he could kind of separate the two. And he, like, didn't feel, like, I don't know. Guilty? He didn't feel, yeah, exactly. Like a piece of shit? No, he didn't. (laughs) He was like, wow, this feels fine. Jesus must support this decision. Yeah. Because I don't feel bad at all. And Candy felt the same way when she would go home to Pat at night. One it's day, no reflection of what kind of person you are <laughs> at all. So one day, she Candy decided enough was enough. They had talked this affair up so much, now or never. It was now or never. She invited Alan over to her house uh, when Pat was at work for her, quote, famous lasagna for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I would love to know the recipe for her famous it's lasagna. Famous. Dying to know. Second, with all of this planning and all of the scheming and all the sneaking around, she invites him to her house. Well, you know, they're friends, so it wouldn't be like that For weird. her famous, she's going to make a whole fucking lasagna for, <laughs> for two <lunch>. people? <laughs> for lunch. Yeah. And that's not obvious? 
Nah. She's not gonna have leftovers when her husband comes. Well, home maybe and she's she'll like, be like, oh, I, I cooked dinner. I made lasagna, a lasagna for dinner. For lunch. Part of it's missing. There are two pieces missing. He doesn't have but... to know. I'm sure she serves him his lasagna. He doesn't know what the original size was. <sighs> Do you think he's gonna inspect her lasagna dish? Well, I think you know how much is usually left over. You're like, there's <laughs> two pieces short. <laughs> <laughs> the lasagna math is off here. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Well, he came over for that lasagna lunch. This whole affair is so fucking weird. <laughs> yes. Okay. Came over for a lasagna lunch. Okay. <laughs> she figured that if they didn't start getting freaky with it now, then they never After would. After eating a bunch of lasagna. <laughs> I feel like you need a nap after that for lunch. Look, she was tired of talking about it, okay? She was tired of smelling his sexy smell and never being able to be close enough to taste it. You know it's like a Texas lasagna. (laughs) You know there's going to be a lot of, like, red meat in there. (laughs) A lot of, like, noodles. It's very carby, very, like... A lot of cheese. Meat heavy. Yeah. Come on. Don't you just immediately (laughs) want to bang after you eat a platter of lasagna? Your carbo load. It's the famous lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, yeah, Alan came over and he like he came in and the first thing he saw when he came in, Candy had taped up this huge butcher paper on the wall and there were two columns on it. The left column was titled Whys, and the right column was titled Why Nots. She then invited him, while they were eating their famous lasagna, for to discuss the pros and cons of the possible affair. <laughs> Let's put this in writing on giant paper. These people are the fucking worst. Look, they just have to make sure they're covering all their bases. Okay? Also, you know you're going to get sauce on that paper. <laughs> That's just going to happen. <laughs> Okay. I thought they talked this thing they to fucking did. To death. They did. They did. She's like, I need this like in front of me. Visual. On a giant I need sheet it visual. We got to see. She's uh, like, it's now or never. But let's talk. Let's one talk more time a about little the bit why's more. And why nots. So they did. They talked a little bit more, and the first why not was getting caught. Candy said that they didn't have to worry about that the if first they were why careful. Not was not like hurting other people. No. And then Alan was concerned um, about them getting emotionally involved. And then Candy was like, it's just for fun. I'm not serious about it. It would just be a fun, like, companionship thing that we would do for a while. And then it would be over with. And then on the Y side, they wrote adventure, companionship, and that they always would wonder what it would be like if they don't do it. Okay. And then Candy said, it's up to you, Alan. I know I can do it. I know I can act in an adult fashion and not take unnecessary risks. I've made up my mind, so just tell me if you want to do it. But she's the one who needed the... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I have a lot to think about. I got to get back to work. So he went back to work. (laughs) What is happening? This is the most drawn out... (laughs) This is like months of planning. Okay. Okay, so he just ate her world famous lasagna and dipped. They like wrote a well, list he together. Has and he's to go out. back to work. He's like, look, I already spent three hours eating lasagna. I really need to get back. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna get suspicious. 
We've made pie charts. We've made graph charts. We made uh, what are those? A Venn diagram. A Venn di- we've made all kinds of charts. We made dioramas. <laughs> yeah. Look. Okay. So then he like didn't talk to her for like a day, and then he called her and was like, "I've decided to go ahead with it." That's about. He is time. so boring. <laughs> so boring. This is so boring. <laughs> <sighs> so bored by this affair. I told you. So they spent the next few days discussing no. ground rules. No. <laughs> I thought they already discussed all of these. And working out logistical problems. Okay, clearly neither of them is ready for an affair. They well, they put together this list of rules. If either one of them ever wanted to end the affair for whatever reason, it would end. No questions asked. That's a good rule. If either one became too emotionally involved, the affair would end. They're like so about this like emotional involve- involvement when you know they already are emotionally involved in this whole fucking thing. Yeah, like, they, you they've know been talking they like every day for the past few months. And they keep saying that. Like it's like when people harp on things yep. too much and, and you're, you're like, like hmm. mm-hmm. thinking about Is that there a lot. reason why you keep worrying <laughs> about that. Uh, they also decided that if they ever started taking risks that shouldn't be taken, the affair would end. And they already had a list of risks, I'm guessing. I'm sure they did. All expenses, food, motel rooms, gasoline, would be shared equally. Fair. Except for she's not making money. Well, her husband's making money. I'm sure she her gets an allowance. Her husband is going to be splitting. Footing the bill the for this affair. Yeah. Bill for the affair. <laughs> okay. So that seems fair. They would only meet on weekdays while their spouses were at work. Candy would be in charge of fixing lunch on the days they met so that they could have more time. They figured that they would they would need all of Alan's two hour lunch. Uh, Ambitious. Candy would be in charge of getting a motel room for the same reason so that they had more time together. And they would meet on a Tuesday or a Thursday once every two weeks. That was because Candy was free only on days when her little boy attended the play day preschool at the Methodist Church. And she took him on Tuesdays and Thursdays from nine to two. So she figured that she would <laughs> she would need three out of four of those school days for other errands and church and school duties and all of you know. Okay. Right, so, right, right, of course. Of okay. course. Tuesdays and Thursdays, every two weeks. She would prepare lunch and get the hotel room. (laughs) She's bringing a bagged lunch to a hotel room. Oh, she's preparing lunch. Oh, let me just get into this. Oh, God. (laughs) So they then set their start date of their affair. Oh, my God. They're like, let's write this on our family calendars. (laughs) December 12th, 1978. The morning of the 12th, Candy was so excited. She got her kids ready for school and dropped them off. And then she came home and prepared her affair lunch <laughs> for today, <laughs> which today consisted of a nice marinated chicken paired with a healthy little salad with cherry tomatoes and bacon bits. Okay, here's the thing about marinating a chicken. Don't you have to marinate it for like a long time? I mean, maybe it was she cooked the marinated chicken. She cooked chicken that was marinated. I don't know. I just feel like... Wouldn't someone notice that there's like a chicken marinating, <laughs> marinating in the? I'm like very food focused. I guess okay. I feel like well, I would notice again, a chicken marinating. She's in charge of household things as a stay at home wife. Husband, like, so never I'm sure. Goes in the kitchen. I'm sure. 
He's like, get me a marinated chicken, and he's not counting breasts. <laughs> okay, so she has the marinated chicken. She's got the chicken. She's got a little salad. She got, she's got, uh, in Texas, true Texas fashion, Thousand Island dressing for that salad. Yeah. A fine white wine and some cheesecake for dessert. She brought dessert. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not sure what the traditional affair lunch consists of, but that sounds mighty tasty to me. Although Except I'd... for the Thousand Island. Yeah, I'd uh, yeah. place it with a nice vinaigrette. <laughs> Wow, this is like gourmet. She even packed a tablecloth to have that affair lunch on. What is this? What is this really about? Uh, you got to have a classy lunch before you can get down to it. Okay. So she took the lunch and the tablecloth. I guess that's why they need the two hours to <laughs> yes, like set up their thing. lunch and then break it down, <laughs> eat it, and then like pack it up. Yep. So she packed the lunch and the tablecloth. She's like, we'll have some afternoon tea. And, and probably. And then we'll, like, have salad and yeah. then soup and then our main course <laughs> <laughs> and then cheese and then dessert. Right, right. Yeah. And then we can, you know. So she packed the lunch and tablecloth and she packed a few undergarments and a nightgown, I Did guess. Did she pack silverware as well? I'm sure. And the fine china. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. She packed like clothes. Well, yeah. I mean, you never know what oh, you're what? gonna. What's the appropriate attire for that affair moment? And you know, this is so bizarre. Okay. Okay. Uh, Clearly, neither of them are very impulsive. So no, she needs to plan. Really plan ahead. She's gotta have options. Yeah. That's right. So she found a motel that was only two minutes away from Alan's office, called the oh, Con- Continental Inn. And what do you mean called? Like, I feel like this is. <laughs> It was, like, right off the freeway. Yeah. (laughs) She went to the counter to check in, and she was, like, hoping to be undercover, you know, and, like, use a fake name or whatever. Yeah. But the woman at the front desk insisted on seeing her ID. Yeah, of course she did. (laughs) They fucking always do. And getting the money up front for the room. Yeah, of She was kind of hoping that, like, they would pay afterwards, and then Alan could give her, you know, they'd now she has to front the whole thing and wait for Alan to give her her 50% of this. Right. Hopefully so, they like, both have already planned on going to the bank. I mean, she had to, she had to spend like all of her spending money for the week, you know, on this get, affair. Yeah. Cause so. she said that she would get the room and the marinated chicken. So that's kind of <laughs> her bad. Well, no, they said they would split the cost. She would pick it up, but he would have to front, give her the 50% of the bill. So he owes her such an idiot. <laughs> So, yeah, she had to sign in and fill out the registration under her real name. Yeah, of course. She went to the room to get everything ready. I'm surprised after months of discussing this, like, it never came up that you would probably need an ID to rent a room. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's not like a a motel. No one's going to know. Like, what? You just give them cash and they give you a room. I don't know. Yeah, that's not how that works. Well, she got to the room and she called up Alan at work and she was like, I'm at the Continental Inn on Central Expressway in room 213. And then he was like, I'll be there in a few minutes. And so while she was waiting for him, she spread the tablecloth out on the bed. Did she like change the sheets? Did she bring her own sheets from home? (laughs) Ew, the tablecloth on the bed? Well, I guess there wasn't a table in there. So did she put the tablecloth on? Okay, clearly did not play on ahead. What, she didn't scope out motel rooms? I mean, no, she didn't. You'd think with all the planning. Yeah, you would think so. And if he's, like, making, like, such good money and her husband's making such good money, why don't they have, like, a hotel? Uh, Because they don't want, like, noticeable right. money going away from their, you know, <laughs> okay. household. 
All right. So she spread That's the tablecloth so out no, on the it bed. Was on that bedspread. That's why she brought that the tablecloth to protect mm. the chicken. Mm-hmm. Felt so fucking gross. And then she laid out her sexy affair feast of supple chicken breasts, crisp lettuces, and tantalizing cherry like tomatoes. Sinfully delicious bacon. Not to mention that melt in your mouth cheesecake. Stop meowing, cat. <laughs> he likes it. Sounds good to him. And then she put on what the article called her peekaboo negligee, which Ew. I don't know what that means. It I don't sounds either. sounds horrible. I don't want to know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> what are you peeking? I don't know. Okay. Okay. So Alan finally showed up, and they both, like, nervously <laughs> ate lunch and made small talk. While she's in a negligee. Yeah. <laughs> she's eating her chicken and Thousand Island salad. <laughs> so fucking gross. And okay. then they got to dessert, and they're still so chatting. Hot. And uh, going to have Simon making his humping yeah. noises in the background. Um, and He's setting the mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they started cleaning up the bed and <laughs> putting their dishes away, <laughs> and then <laughs> they were like kind of each waiting for the other to make the first move. Oh my god! And then finally, finally, he awkwardly approached her, and then they did the deed. They had the sex. Ew. Although, according to Candy, it was gentle, conventional, satisfying, <laughs> but brief. Yeah, of course it was candy. She was also very conventional, intrigued <laughs> by how seemingly naive he was sexually. Okay, I was going to say earlier, like, chances are his wife is, like, the only person he's been with, right? Like, one of, Probably one of the only people, for sure. If he's a good Christian boy, then she was, like, the only one. Yeah, she said, like, it wasn't... Like, she was like, oh, maybe this isn't bad because he was actually, like, kind of a quick learner. So that's nice. Maybe this isn't that bad. (laughs) Alan, on the other hand, thought they had a great time. Best he ever had. I bet he did. (laughs) (laughs) And then afterwards, Candy insisted that they take showers so they didn't smell like each other. I mean, here's the thing. To be fair, Candy did let him know that her expectations were very high. Yep. <laughs> and he yep. probably had some pretty low expectations. Yeah. So. He was just excited to see another naked person. He was thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, right on schedule, a week later, they agreed to meet up again. And this time, Candy prepared a wonderful lunch consisting of teriyaki beef strips and cheese blintzes. These do not sound like good <laughs> foods to eat for your affair lunches. Very heavy. Cheese blintzes <laughs> and steak? Yeah. The fuck? I'm sorry, beef strips? Beef strips, yes. Oh. And this time, though, she chose a different motel because uh, she was hoping oh, she's that, learning. Yeah. And this motel called the Como Motel was just directly across the street from the Continental Inn. Ah, she's widening her range. And although it didn't really cost that much less, was a serious downgrade from the one before. (laughs) I feel like it wasn't even a bed. (laughs) Well, basically, this motel didn't really seem to have many overnight guests, mostly hourly. 
Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so. Why is no one doing the research into what motels would be good motels? I don't understand with all these months, like, why no one could have looked into this. I mean, how would you look into it in the 80s? You have to go to the motel and look. I mean, I feel like she has, like, every Tuesday, every other Tuesday and Thursday. No, she's she, like, banging Alan. Town. <laughs> every other. Yeah. <laughs> what about the ones in between? Well, she's got to do her uh, other errands. She could do some recognizance <laughs> while she's in town. Just, like, pop in. Tell me about your rooms. Although. Do you require ID? Here's the thing, though. Is there a table or just a gross bedspread? You see, Candy and Alan actually kind of liked how gross this motel was. Because it made their affair a little bit more exciting. Like, it was Yeah, because it was so fucking boring. Well, yeah. I mean, it's really fun to, like, try not to catch, you know, bed bugs and body lice and scabies. Okay, yeah. You know your affair is going well (laughs) when the most exciting thing is getting a gross-ass motel room. (laughs) What is wrong with these people? It was, like. Dirty, you know. That's gross. (laughs) (laughs) And then what happens? Do they make plans for when one of them brings home bed bugs or lice? How they're gonna like pass that dirty little secret until everyone's like itching (laughs) (laughs) with bites. They're like, "What the fuck is happening?" They just love bites from mommy's affair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, they really liked it because that's where they decided to have their. Uh, what I decided to call their affair lair for the next few months. Well, let's be real. Their affairs are two hours at a time. Yeah. So it's probably a lot cheaper than a whole night. Mm-hmm. At least it wasn't that much cheaper, though, than for the it whole didn't night. It seemed that much cheaper. Oh. All right. Never mind. My theory is off. <laughs> I mean, but they they did quote the like rate for spending the night in each place. So maybe they could hourly would do be an different. hourly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would all, I would hope so. Yes. So every other week, Candy put her culinary genius to the test to prepare an affair-worthy right. lunch. Culinary and, genius <laughs> is a stretch. <laughs> and Alan would meet her in the same disgusting room with its matted-up shag carpeting and cigarette oh, burn holes. Oh, shag and- carpeting <laughs> in a motel that rents by the hour. <laughs> You know they're not shampooing that carpet. Oh, think of all the things that live in it. The new bacterias and viruses that are being created. Oh, my God. How is that hot? It's so sexy. So, like, sick. (laughs) And every week they would eat their lunch and have their... How are you going to eat in there? How are you eating in there? (laughs) Well, it's okay. I mean, you know... They liked it. It made them you feel like... You would need like... the thickest fucking tablecloth of all time. <laughs> Bring your own sheets. Tarps. Put down area rugs. <laughs> yeah, tarps is probably better. Yeah. Tarps. You don't want anything fabric. Oh, Things yeah. Get no, in. You don't want plastic. Oh. Hose it down. Bleach it. Gross. <laughs> I'm so disgusted by this well, whole story. They would love to enjoy their lunch. On their matted <laughs> shag carpet, crusted uh, with what God knows what. See, these are the details we need. I know from journalists. exactly. Yeah. And then they would proceed to have their quick, disappointing sex, and then they uh, would. Excuse me, sp- Alan thought it was great. I mean, so. he had a blast those two seconds, and He's then having the best time. They would spend the rest of their time just chatting about their family and their love for church and. You know, just talking like old friends. I don't think you get to love church when you're having an affair. They love church. Good Christians, actually. Yeah. 
and then they would go back. Are hypocritical. Mm. Nope, nothing. (laughs) Then they would go back to their respective husband and wife, like nothing had happened. And uh, they were amazed at how easy it was. Yeah. To be heartless. Yeah. Yeah. During all of this, it seemed like they were getting closer and closer, obviously. And they, no, not emotionally. They felt like they could no. tell each other anything. No, that's too emotional. <laughs> what? Can- Candy felt like Alan really listened to her and like really oh, got Christ. her. And after two and a half months of their affair, Candy told Alan that she was afraid she had gotten in too deep and that she might be catching feelings. Um, they agreed one of the rules yeah. was they were going to end it, right? Yeah. And uh, so she was like, you know, it would be too bad if like I actually did ca- catch feelings. And he was like, yeah, I know that like, you know, it's hard, but like this is all temporary and it's going to run its course. So let's just let it run its course. What and does that even mean? I don't know. He wasn't finished with it, basically. He's and like, look. I thought I was catching feelings too. It turned out to be a venereal disease. <laughs> Just go to the doctor. They'll give yeah, you some pills. Yeah. It's so actually not clear feeling. It right it's up. chlamydia. So really, it's that goddamn shag carpeting. <laughs> I told you not to go barefoot. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> Gonna catch those chlamydia feelings. It's just some crabs. You're it's fine. fine. You'll clear right up in a few days. <laughs> And then so she was like, you know, okay, we we can just let it run its course. What does that mean? I don't know. But they what s- course? They, they, it was just gonna, you know, eventually it was gonna peter out, and then they were gonna like it, it would be fine. But they, it wasn't They're not done even yet. Following the well-established rules. <laughs> <sighs> he was like really enjoying the companionship of Candy, and he felt that for him, the rest of his life was unaffected by it, and he didn't think that. He was emotionally involved with her, so he was like, I can make this work. He's like, I just have to listen to your terrible creative writing stories. Yeah. <laughs> this is working for me, and I get, like, fucking lunch. And mind-blowing sex, while for you, it's just, like, mildly disappointing. <laughs> Two minutes long sex, a <laughs> delicious lunch, and But uh, she can talk to, to him, and he listens, so that's good. Well, I'm saying, like, from yeah. his side of right. it, it's just, like, right. that's what he, he just has to listen for a bit. Eat a good lunch. Yeah, yeah. Two minutes of sex. Great. Great. For her, it's like, oh, he's listening. <laughs> Fucking dumb. And he's a fast learner, but clearly not. But okay. Yeah. She said that kind of like tapered out. The quick learning. The quick learning. I don't <laughs> think he was making much many improvements after the first few sessions. <laughs> well, I just don't think that either of them are good communicators anyway, because mm. they like clearly can't communicate with their spouses. No. So I doubt that she's like, yeah, that was kind of lacking for me. I don't know how it was for you. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that they spent like two months planning. seems like a lot of like trying to communicate, but not communicating. Yeah, cl- <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> so by this time, Betty was about seven months pregnant. And. Whoa. This has been going on for a while. Yeah. Um. Uh, Alan told Cindy that they would probably have to back off soon because Betty. Candy? W- Alan told Can. Oh, why well, wrote Cindy? <laughs> oh, who's Cindy? Like, who's Cindy? <laughs> Surprise, Candy's sister. <laughs> no. Oh, he loved this affair so much he He's had another. Try again. <laughs> 
No, he told Candy that they would have to back off soon because Betty was going to need a lot of help and attention the closer that it got to having the baby. And that if she went into labor while he was at the motel, Uh, he would never be able to forgive himself. Okay, finally, he has some, like, feeling towards his wife. Yeah, well, mostly because, you know, she would call his work phone if she went into labor. She would catch him. Yeah. Rule number one, I mean, fear number one was getting caught. Yes. That's right. Candy agreed that they could stop, and she was kind of glad that it stopped. She didn't didn't (laughs) tell him this, but the sex became really boring, and... (laughs) It was boring the whole time, Candy. (laughs) The whole time. She really liked their talks. Yeah, of course she did. But the affair was a bit exhausting, and again, the sex was not very good. she's like making these fucking intricate (laughs) meals. She's like planning this for like hours that she has to go get out. She's doing like all All the the work. work. (laughs) No wonder she's getting tired of it. Yeah. He just like shows up, eats, and then leaves. Yep. Like, yeah. They clearly didn't think it out that much <laughs> planning all these months. <laughs> well, they, you know, they took a break. And during this time, Candy threw a surprise baby shower for Betty. What a bit. And all the church ladies were there and they brought oh, food God. and gifts and it was a great time. And I'm sure Candy probably cooked her famous lasagna or something. And beef strips. Beef strips and lasagna. <laughs> cheese blintzes. What is a cheese blint? It's I had to look it up too. It's okay, like uh so imagine <laughs> cheese, like ricotta or uh uh, mascarpone mar- yeah like that kind of cheese wrapped yeah. in like a crepe like that's what i thought yeah. it was yeah. why do i know what that is i don't know i didn't know what it was know. do you think that texas style was like a string cheese oh it was probably like cream cheese oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure <laughs> totally okay do you cook it like well you cook it? the crepe and then you just fold up the cheese in the crepe and then some of them like had like like raspberries or like a syrup that you could pour oh, on top of it. That sounds good. I'm oh, sure so it's like good. a dessert thing. I think so. More like a breakfast like, like a breakfast or a dessert thing. Yeah. And it could be like savory. Yeah, something like that. Let's make some cheese blintzes. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> For St. Joseph's Day. <laughs> oh, happy St. Joseph's Day. <laughs> Not till March. <laughs> I can't believe you remember. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. So, Bethany. Okay, what a bitch move. Yeah. Yeah. Big bitch move. But, you know, no feelings. They were all friends. And this whole time, I mean, right. she had been, like, friends with with Betty. And, like, you know, they would take turns watching the kids and doing play dates. Talking and at church every out. Sunday. Yeah, talking at church, hanging out. Doing that thing that those Jesus people do. So heartless. Yeah. What a bitch. Yeah. So Bethany Gore was, oh my God, I put born, but it autocorrected to burning. (laughs) 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 So she was burning early June. Born in early June. (laughs) And her birth made Betty happy and she was in a much better mood. And Betty and Alan were starting to get along better, but wait, sh- okay, that's their baby. That's the new yeah. baby is Bethany. Yeah, new okay, baby, okay, Bethany. I got she you. was burn, 
That's right. She was burning up the June whole fucking month. Born in June. But this only lasted about a month and uh and like Alan was like, "Okay, so she had the baby. I don't have to worry about her calling me going into labor and the baby's here safe and fine." So this affair can continue. So he gave Candy a call. Candy's like, oh, great. <laughs> so excited. Well, no. Candy agreed to meet up, and her and Alan met up in late July for probably a lackluster, done in a blink of an eye, steamy like a casserole sex. Why, Candy? <laughs> I thought you were done with it. She Relieved. liked feeling dirty. Just find, like, friends to talk to. Uh, <laughs> but Alan was such a good listener. But he's boring. I know, but he listens. Yeah, find friends who listen. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to sneak away to this gross-ass motel and eat my Have an emotional fair with him, then. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Anyway, so they started up, and for the first time, Alan was starting to feel guilty for leaving Betty with the two kids. Uh, yeah, what? You should. Like, if you have two fucking hours a day to spend on an affair, why aren't you going home to, like, relieve your wife for two hours? Because beef strips and cheese blintzes and mediocre sex. (laughs) Betty's not providing that. (laughs) No. She's just all mopey and depressed and, like, you know. Kids are annoying. sucks so much. (laughs) Yep. So uh, Alan and Candy couldn't see each other for a few weeks because they were each out of town for like different, like Alan and uh, Betty went on, went to go visit her parents or something for like a week. And then when they got back, Candy and Pat went somewhere for a week. So they like missed their meetup time. And I bet Candy was relieved. (laughs) She was like, oh, you know Darn. what? Darn. Actually, when you get gone. back, we're going to be gone. Oh, yeah. For a long Shoot. time. Don't drive by our house and look for our cars. Back to back <laughs> vacations. Sorry. Well, the thing is, Alan was kind of wanting to call off the affair, and Candy was getting impatient that they didn't have time to meet up and talk. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I don't get this girl. I don't get either of them. They're just like so stupid. Mm, no. Um, Alan and Betty hadn't had sex since the baby was born, and yeah. one one night she came on to him, but he had been with Candy all day, so he rejected her because he was like tired. Whoa. I'm tired, and then Whoa. she was of course crushed and started crying about yeah. being too fat since She's she had like, the baby. What the fuck? Oh God! Oh no! Yeah, and after oh, this, Alan, Alan decided that. Dick. He saw how it crushed Betty, and he was like, I need to end this affair. So when he and Candy finally got the chance to talk, he told her all of this and that they should end things. And she said she thought that he was being really unfair. What? Neither of them want to be in this. Look, when she wanted to end it, he said they had to see it through. And now he wants to end it? No. We have to see this through. Yeah, they had to let it run its course. (laughs) This horrible affair. That no one's enjoying. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> during this time, Betty was even more depressed than before. 
Oh, buddy. And she started complaining about random pains in her body. And her doctor prescribed her pain pills, but also speculated (sighs) that it was probably, like, stress-related. Yeah. Um, Later that month, Alan quit his job, but he got a new one at a smaller company. And this new company wouldn't require him to travel as much. Because he was like, okay, Betty's, like, really upset. I need to fix my marriage. I don't want to be out of town all the time because then she gets really depressed when I'm out of town. Yeah. So he was like, I'm going to fix this. Um, And Alan told Candy that because of the new job, he wouldn't have time to see her as much. And she was like, that's not fair. And then she asked him to meet her at the Como once more. So they met up, got naked, had mediocre sex, and then spent the rest of the time talking about breaking up the affair. Oh, God. It's going to take, like, months of planning. <laughs> Charts. And lists and, lists. and diagrams. <laughs> what if scenarios? Why and why not? Mm-hmm. Candy mm-hmm. didn't want to break up the affair. She said that she wasn't sure if she could live without him. And When did this happen? <laughs> Alan what? said he was sorry, but... He really wanted to fix his marriage, and now Betty was wanting he now Betty was actually wanting to go to marriage encounters. So, so okay, what about rule number one or two, where it's like if anyone one could end it, it? You fucking yeah. end it. <laughs> yeah, they're not even fo- okay. You like take three months to develop your rules, and then no one fucking follows nope. them. Nope, because emotions got involved. That was rule number two. <laughs> the exactly. fuck. This is why you plan ahead. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. So they kind of put that on pause and Betty and Alan went on the marriage encounters. Wait, they put their planning the end. They were like, let's, you know what? Like, this is going to take a while. Yeah, because he was like, I want to end it. And she was like, no, let's let this ride out until the end. And he was like, I think this is the end. And she was like, no. She's like, it's got to run its course. Yeah, the course is many miles long. Don't you see the course ahead of us? We are not finished. It's going to be a bumpy road. And then he was like, okay, well, Betty and I are going to marriage encounters this weekend, so. Maybe you and Alan should, I mean, maybe you and Pat should come along. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But she was like, "Um, we'll talk when you get back. Mm. So marriage encounters took place at this royal. Oh, we get to hear about it? It took place at this royal motor Motor Coach Inn, which is apparently shaped and decorated like a castle. (laughs) It's called the Motor Coach Inn. It's called the Royal Motor Coach Inn. The Royal Motor Coach Inn. I was thinking like an RV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably similar accommodations, but castle shaped. I mean, it was like a hotel, not an RV park. Okay. This event obviously was put on by the church, but like there were lay people that led it. It wasn't like priests or anything leading it. How in the hell did they get lay people involved? Oh, I mean, of the church. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, who random non believers are going to be up for this challenge? No. (laughs) So, in this uh, weekend, the couples had to spend the whole weekend together (laughs) with like other couples too, but they weren't, they had to be. Both of them had to be present at all times, and they had were to they like, include each like other. Like a three-legged race, they were like tied yeah. together at the ankle, kind of. handcuffed together. They were expected to always be together. Okay. They weren't allowed to watch any TV or read any newspapers. Just communication <laughs> and feelings. Ah. There were about three dozen other couples there. Wow. Yeah. 
and in like the morning they would all meet up and there would be a speaker who would give a speech and like then they would pose a question like why are you here this weekend and then the couples would have to go back to their rooms and uh they weren't allowed to like discuss the questions like outside of the the couple like they it was kind of uh-huh. like on kairos where it was like sacred silence and like yeah the main room when they were giving the presentations and stuff. And then the couples had to go back to their room and they got these little journals that were provided by the group and they had to like journal their answer. And then they had to exchange notebooks. And as they were handing each other the notebook, they had to exchange it with a kiss. (laughs) (laughs) And then they had to read each other's answers and then discuss how the answers made them feel. I mean, I knew that it wasn't going to be, like, a legit, you know, there wasn't going to be, like, a therapist involved, you know. I knew this wasn't going to be, like, a legit thing, but I didn't realize, like, how <laughs> how ridiculous this was going to be. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, things were yeah, going... Yeah, that sounds like it was going to, like, save some marriages. Um, Things were going really well. They felt like they were really connecting again, and Betty was finally opening up emotionally to Alan... And she kind of let him know why the night that he rejected her, it hurt her because she said that she was brought up with like that, like sex was shameful and all that stuff. And she had a hard time expressing herself sexually or like talking about it. So that makes sense. So, you know, he felt like they were really connecting and, (laughs) you know, they even like had sex that weekend and it was probably disappointing, but I don't know. He's just so gross. Yep. He's so fucking gross. Okay. Yep. And then, uh, uh, I mean, honestly, though, it probably wasn't that bad because I doubt that Betty had high expectations. <laughs> Nobody she kind of like knew what to Nobody expect. has high expectations for Alan. Yeah, Candy did. Huh. And she learned quickly well, that that was a bad yeah, idea. Bad idea. <laughs> then, I mean, I'm sure his looks were deceiving. She thought, wow, this guy's super right. hot. He's got that volleyball body. It's going to be great. Turned out not Not so great. And there were more like events and stuff that weekend, little workshops where they had to like, you know, as a couple do things and whatever and talk to other couples. Put together puzzles. Puzzles, all that stuff. And then the weekend wrapped up with a religious ceremony and, you know, it was like church. And then at the end, all the couples were remarried. In I the knew ceremony. it. I was going to say that. I fucking knew it. I knew it. So they like, you know, did all their vows again. Renewed and your vows. Yep. Can you imagine? You said, did you say three dozen couples or something? Yeah. All renewing their vows. Like how yep. cheesy <laughs> is that? Well, they all the same vows, you know, repeat after me. Oh, my God. Okay. So on the way home, Alan and Betty stopped by Candy and Pat's house to pick up the kids because they were staying at. That seems like a bad idea. Well, like I said, they were, I mean, as far as Pat and Betty knew, they were just like, they would swap babysitting and stuff and the the kids were friends and everything. So That's so fucked up. Yep. Uh, So Betty waited in the car and Alan went to the door and Candy answered and was like, how'd the weekend go? And he was like, it was really good. Betty and I had a great time. We're like really communicating. We're remarried. We just got engaged. We just got married. I don't know if you heard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
They and shared each other's journals. Yep. And then they took the kids home, and he kind of was avoiding talking to Candy because yeah, he, he was trying to concentrate on Betty, but he knew that he was going to have to talk to her soon. Because they hadn't finished planning hadn't ending the affair. <laughs> exactly. Not that you can't just, like, fucking end it. <laughs> no. Uh, you have to plan They got to get that it. butcher paper out and make columns. <laughs> why is and why not? <laughs> so they met up a week later and had a picnic at a park. So there was Uh-oh. no temptation for mediocre sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's so public, though. Right. Well, they, you know, as far as everyone knew, they were friends. Did she pack the picnic? Probably. <laughs> She's a picnic packer. You didn't hear what she made for the no. picnic? Damn. I know. I'm okay. sorry. Well, obviously, she wasn't going to give him her lasagna unless no. she was trying to tempt him again. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Her famous pork roast or something. Ah. Stew. Turkey. Casserole. <gasps> I hope it was a casserole. It's got to be a casserole. So during this time, Alan talked about the marriage encounter and how life-altering it was and how he finally understands Betty. And he said that he doesn't feel differently about Candy, but that he felt like he needed to give his full attention to his family and that the affair was taking too big of an emotional and uh, emotional commitment and too much energy was being expended. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Mm-hmm. We, we know. All two seconds know all of your about energy. It. Alan. <laughs> Alan. She said, fine, she won't call him or see him anymore. And then they both cried. Except that she will see him uh-huh. every Sunday at church <laughs> yeah. and when your kids like play with each other. So they went their separate ways and Candy and Pat tried marriage encounters and they had oh. they had a good time, but they didn't feel like changed by it. Yeah, because he doesn't fucking listen. And Candy, How many times does she have to say it? She, yeah, he wasn't li- like Alan. Candy really missed those big ears of Alan's. Yeah. So then came Friday the 13th. As much as Alan tried to avoid traveling for work, this weekend he had to go to Minnesota to set up this large client with some kind of equipment. I don't know what he did, honestly. <laughs> Okay. He uh, he usually loved to travel for work, but now that he and Betty were getting closer, he didn't like leaving her because he knew that she got really depressed when he was gone. And he he was like, you know, kind of wanting the weekend to go by fast because they were planning on going to Europe the next week without the kids. Ooh. So he was like, yeah, it's going to be dope. Wow. And he promised to call her from the airport. So as soon as he got to the airport, he gave her a call. But she didn't answer, so he was like, oh, she probably took the baby out for a walk. So he, like, got on the plane and landed in Minnesota, and he went about the day meeting with his colleagues. And then at night when he got back to the hotel, he called the house again, and it just rang and rang. And then that's when he called his neighbor to ask if, if he could go check on Betty. So Richard, the neighbor, walked across the street and knocked on the door. He knocked then he again. Got the rest of the neighborhood. Yeah, he, kno- he knocked a few more times. He didn't hear anything. So he went back home and he called Alan and he was like, no one is answering. Betty must be out. And Alan was like, okay, thanks. Uh, I'll try and call her later. And he hung up and called Candy and he asked her if she had seen Betty. And Aww. she asked him where he was. 
and then he was like, I'm in Minnesota on business. She said she had seen Betty earlier that day when she went to pick up Alyssa's swimsuit. Uh-oh. Um, she said that Candy was taking the kids and Alyssa to their Bible school because it was like summer break or whatever. So they were going to like their Bible school and then they were going to go to swim class afterwards. Wouldn't you just love being a kid and <sighs> summer break? It's time for Bible school. Well, we got Bible school year round, so summer break was yeah, our only Yeah, we got a break during break. the summer. Like, yeah, most kids don't have to do Bible school year round. I would rather have like a fucking summer vacation. Well, yeah, I'd rather have no Bible school. Yes, I hear that. <laughs> she said that she went, in, uh, she stopped by their house to pick up uh, Alyssa's swimsuit and to ask if she could stay with them, stay the night, because they were going to go watch Star Wars in the theaters. Um, so, yeah, she, uh, Alan asked. Wait, if, Candy was going to go? was going to take the kids to see Star Wars after, like, um, swim lessons. But Alyssa didn't have her swimsuit, so she stopped by to get the swimsuit and to see if she could go watch the movie oh. and spend the night at their house. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Alan asked if Betty seemed okay. And Candy said that when she saw her, she seemed fine, but she seemed to be in a hurry to get her out of the house. I would be too, bitch. She said that before she left, Betty gave her a handful of peppermint candies to give Alyssa since <laughs> she was, like, scared of putting her head underwater. And, that it like, she would reward her with peppermint candies if she put her <laughs> head underwater. So she was like, you need to bring these because otherwise she won't swim right in her swim lesson. So she needs this. <laughs> So she took the candy and the swimsuit and left. Alan called the house again, and there was no answer. He called local hospitals and the police to see if there was an emergency involving Betty, but none of them had seen her or heard from her. He called Candy again to make sure she didn't know anything, and she assured him she didn't. And Why was he so suspicious? I don't know. Uh, or was that just like their closest friend? I mean, they, yeah, they, I think they were the closest friends. Plus, she had Alyssa, and I guess she was like, you know, I'll keep Alyssa for the time being until I hear anything back from you. Like, I'm not going to try and drop her off, you know. And she's not been trying to call Betty so could, she could drop her child off? Mm. Uh-huh. So Alan called up Richard, the neighbor, again and asked him if he could just find a way in the house. He said he was really concerned that something terrible had happened because she had no reason to not be in the house and... He had reached out to a bunch of people, and all the people that she would have been with or would have been talking to hadn't seen her or heard from her. So a few more neighbors came out to see what was going on. and Do you know how many days after he left that this was? It was, like, immediately. It was a Friday, and I think he left, like, the Friday morning. So he's been calling, like, people all day? Yeah, basically. Well, he left in wow. the morning. He called the house. She didn't answer. And then he got back from, like, his meeting or whatever and called and didn't answer and then called the neighbors and called the police and, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, so Richard and some of the other neighbors walked around the house looking for a way in, and they found the unlocked door that I talked about earlier, and they went inside. And that's when they found crying Bethany, and then they found Betty, and... Mm. Uh, initially, they thought that Betty had shot herself in the head because her head was, like, basically Aww. in pieces. Mm-hmm. And so the neighbor called Alan and told him that they found Betty and that they thought that she had killed herself. 
But he was like, how? And they were like, we think that she shot herself. And he was like, we don't have any guns. Like, that's impossible. Yeah. Um, Alan called Candy and told her what the neighbors had told him. And he also told her that he had talked to the police on the phone. And he had mentioned that Candy had seen Betty that day and that she should probably expect uh, the cops to call her to talk and give a statement. Last person to see her alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all the next day, Candy kept getting calls from friends and family asking if she had heard from her friend, if she had heard that her friend had been murdered. Yeah, of course. One friend said that they heard the police have a bloody footprint as evidence. Oh. And fingerprints. While on the phone all day, Candy took her gardening shears and began cutting up her rubber sandals into small pieces. That's not suspicious (laughs) at all. And she threw the remains in the trash. I often cut up my sandals (laughs) before I throw them away. (laughs) Hmm. Since she was the last to see Betty, Candy immediately became the prime suspect. Yeah. And they questioned her endlessly. They couldn't get much until Alan admitted to police that he and Candy had been having an affair, which he said that they had ended a few months before. That he had ended. She (laughs) kept it going. Right. So now the police had a motive. Yes. And they arrested her and charged her with murder. Yeah. She, of course, denied the charges. Her husband and family and friends and the whole church were supportive of Candy. Candy would never do something like this. Candy hired a lawyer, Don Crowder, from church. (laughs) Don had never been part of a murder case. Fun. And he enlisted the help of psychiatrist Dr. Fred Faison to assist him. Dr. Faison administered a bunch of tests on Candy and even tried to pry her memory with hypnosis. She. Her memory of what? uh, Of that, of the night that it happened like she could remember anything because she was just i don't know i don't know because oh, they're thinking she's innocent maybe so if she like noticed anything when they were interacting could be okay i don't know i don't know what the plan was for hypnosis but well, apparently he didn't either because he had never done a murder case <laughs> well apparently she was very easy to put under hypnosis okay okay So once she was under, he asked her what she was feeling, and she said that she felt hate, hate for Betty. Betty messed up her life. When the trial finally started, Candy's attorney shocked everyone when he declared his client would plead self-defense. Um, no. Candy took the witness stand. Her story went something like this. Candy showed up at Betty's house earlier than expected, Betty was flustered seeing her and seemed annoyed. Candy said she asked Betty if it was okay for Alyssa to go to the movies with her and her family that night and that she would also take Alyssa to her swimming lessons. Betty said that was fine and also and asked, or, uh, Candy asked for Alyssa's swimsuit. Betty gave her the swimsuit and then gave her the peppermint candies to reward Alyssa with. Candy then said that Betty asked if she was having an affair with Alan. Candy at first denied it, but when Betty pressed, she admitted that they had been having an affair, but it was a while ago and it wasn't happening now. Betty asked Candy to wait where she was, and she got up and left the room. Candy said that she was feeling really scared at that point. 
And then a few seconds later, Betty came back and was holding an axe. Um, yeah, right. Okay. She told Candy that she didn't want to see her ever again and that she could drop Alyssa off the next morning. Betty set the but axe she down. She not get out of the fucking car. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Betty set the axe down and got Alyssa's swimsuit and the candy and went to the utility room to get a towel for the swimming lesson. Uh, candy. Yeah, this seems so realistic. Like, you yeah. threaten someone with an axe, but you're not like, bring my kid back right away. No, you can keep you're her until like, tomorrow. Just don't yeah, look at me when you drop her, her off. Like, yeah, take her <laughs> to the movies. Oh, let me go grab a towel, actually. Like, I forgot. I got the peppermints, but I forgot the towel. Mm-hmm. So just wait one second. one second. Like, forget that I just threatened you with an axe. It's fine. Candy said that she was, like, trying to kind of reassure Betty. So she, like, put her arm or her hand on Betty's arm and, like, apologized. And then as soon as she did, Betty shoved her hard into the utility room. Well, how could you think that touching someone that you just told that you had an affair with their husband with? How can you think that that any of this makes any sense? Yeah, well, clearly she said that Betty then grabbed the axe and screamed, you can't have him. And then they proceeded to wrestle over the axe. Uh, Betty said, I've got to kill you all the while. And all the while candy was pleading for her to stop. Sure. Betty swung the axe wildly at candy, but kept missing. And (laughs) then they were like wrestling again. And then somehow candy's toe got cut by the axe and just her toe yeah her toe and it hurt because she was wearing sandals swinging wildly yeah and (sighs) yeah candy this seems very realistic and then betty slipped and candy was able to gain control of the axe and she brought the blade down onto betty's head candy then got up to leave and just as she was walking towards the door Betty got up and picked up the axe again and came after her. And then they started wrestling again over the axe. And it was, like, really okay. slippery because there was, like, blood everywhere. One swing <laughs> gets her in the head. And yeah. this woman gets, gets up, up and mm-hmm. comes back after her. Yes. Sure, Candy. This is fucking horrible. And then Candy finally regained control of the axe. And she hit Betty 41 times with the axe. In self-defense. In complete self-defense. After she had probably been incapacitated by being hit in the head. Yes. I hate this (laughs) so much. I hate when people try and spin it as self-defense after they, like, murdered someone in cold blood. It's like, how fucking low can you be? Pretty, pretty low. After Candy brutally murdered Betty. Yes. She got in the shower and showered off this is so fucking horrible the medical examiner concluded that betty was most likely alive if not conscious for 40 of the blows oh my god that's so fucking awful her lawyer asked her if she had meant to kill betty when she went to her house and she said that she hadn't the prosecutor tried to expose the cracks in her story, but she was so well rehearsed that he couldn't get her to slip up or change any detail. The jury reached yeah, the jury reached its verdict in like four hours. Uh-oh. They found Candy not guilty. 
What the That's fuck? Right. How? Not guilty. I have How? no fucking idea. What the fuck? Yeah. Poor Betty. What the fuck? And her children. Like, her children have no mother now because this woman was, like, a piece of shit. What the fuck? Yeah. And somehow, shortly after the trial ended, Alan got remarried. What the fuck? But it didn't last long and it ended in a divorce. And for some reason, Alan and Betty's daughters were being raised by Betty's parents. So Alan is a piece of shit. They both are. What the fuck? Uh, Candy and Pat moved out of Texas to Georgia. How? How? Like what? And you will love this. Candy changed her name to Candace Wheeler and became a counselor helping women in domestic abuse situations. She, of course, got her certifications through religious organizations and has also worked in arenas of anti-pornography, right to life, and ministering to homeless pregnant teens. Excuse me? Right to life? When she took someone's life? She also worked pastorally um, in the red light district of Amsterdam and in the slums of India. Excuse me? So... Bullshit work that hurts more than it helps. Um, and she was spreading it beyond yep. the South and of the United States to other countries. So that's great. And predictably, her and Pat got divorced. I just don't understand but how she is still off. counseling people as a job. They don't do background checks. On what? She was acquitted. She didn't. She was not guilty. Yes, and she went to trial for murder. But she was found not guilty, so. But she was guilty. <laughs> How was she found not guilty? I don't know. They had her like, fingerprints. Like, even if it's, like, manslaughter. Was, yeah. Nope. Or, like, self-defense. Not guilty. I just feel like the prosecutor must have been the shittiest fucking prosecutor of all time. Or that jury was stuffed with her friends or something. I don't know. I have no idea. How hard is it to make it very clear that she murdered in cold blood? Like, I understand sometimes when it is self-defense in, like, say, a domestic violence situation. Yeah. When you've been so tormented by another person that you're afraid that, like, if they survive, they're going to come after you. So that's what what kind of how she played it as. Betty was so clearly like an innocent person. Yep. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, she got off scot-free. And, and it obviously wasn't like a domestic violence situation. Yeah, no. Poor Betty. What the fuck? And her Brutally poor children. murdered in cold blood. And this woman is out there giving advice to people. In really vulnerable situations. Yep. yep. This is why we have to have a standard of care, I guess. This is why you need to have a million fucking degrees before you interfere with other people's lives. Yeah, that would be nice. (laughs) Unless you're Christian and then you're qualified because you've murdered someone. So you have qualifications in like helping people in dangerous situations. Well, as long as, you know, there are no abortions, you're good. Don't kill a clump of cells, Mm -hmm. but... By all means, murder the person that you're having an affair with's wife. 
And it That's wasn't fine. even that good of an affair. And she was happy it was ended the first time. <laughs> I know. It was like the like. None of you, this makes any fucking sense. If I can't have you, no one will type thing. I don't know. But in like a weird. But like in the most extreme way, yeah, case. I don't know. It just. Uh, very that was weird. fucking horrible. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components. The person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. So uh, Candy and Alan are both tossed salads, I think. Yeah, clearly. They're like, oh, I'm surprised I don't feel anything when <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fucking over the people I'm supposed to love. Yeah, well, winking will do just, that to like, you. I feel like that escalated so fucking quickly. Right? Why did she murder her? I don't know. I don't know. Because she felt like because of her, Alan was going back to her and not giving candy attention. I don't know. Well, because they weren't as sneaky. Like, their number one reason why not was if they got caught. And then they, like, clearly got caught. So then she's like, oh, I guess the jig is up. Like Eliminate that might as well well we got to keep this train rolling i just feel like they felt like such boring people the whole fucking time and then they were you never know what to expect i guess boring how did she get not guilty those two children who no longer have their mother or their father because he will not because he's a because he's a piece of shit (laughs) yeah 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 they're both horrible toxic pieces of shit so that was a fucked up story. Wasn't that fun? That was awful. With all of her chicken and beef. That was like so sad. It is sad. I feel horrible for Betty and Betty's family. <sighs> Super grossed out by that story. Yeah, yeah. It's tragic. Well. Okay. If you want to feel clean again. Uh, if you want to feel like you didn't just spend an hour in a fucking gross motel room with <laughs> nasty ass shag carpet, try Humblebee Herbal. Their products will make you feel like you haven't been in a gross <laughs> motel room with a matted shag carpet. They've got soaps. They got lotion. They got lotion bars, lotion stick, liquid lotion. They've got shampoo bars. They've got... You know, even if you are, even if you are in a motel room with matted shag carpeting, Humblebee Herbal's products will make you feel like you are in a castle, not the Royal Motorway Inn castle, but a real castle made for royalty and beautiful things. people who are having challenging relationships. (laughs) Oh, we're not talking about that. No, no, no. Oh, never mind. Sorry, sorry. Check out Humblebee Herbal. (laughs) Feel clean. That's humblebeeherbal.com. They only use the best ingredients. Use code CRIMINY20 at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Humblebeeherbal.com. Okay, so.
So I wonder if the Royal Motor Inn is still hosting <laughs> marriage encounters. Could be. Should we sign up and Let's check it out? Let's do it. <laughs> okay. I got my information from The Guardian. All that's interesting. Good reads. And something called nen-academic.com. Sounds smart. So I don't know. There's some conflicting information. Okay. You know, the whole thing. Yep. Here we go. When Hannah Lore Clinkhammer, known as Hanny, went missing from her marital home in the... Oh, this takes place in the Netherlands, mostly okay. <laughs> elsewhere, so... So you're not you going to be able to pronounce anything? I'm not going to be able to pronounce anything. Okay. So when she went missing from her marital home in the Groningen, Groningen province in the northeast of the Netherlands, mm-hmm. her husband was the prime suspect. Naturally. Obviously. However, police inquiries were fruitless. Do we know what year this is? I will get into okay. that maybe. I kind of. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> I might have like repeating information. It's very I might ambiguous. Have gaps in information. I believe it's 1991. Okay. I believe. Well, you said like marital home. I didn't know if it was like, you know, I don't know. The home that she shared with her husband. The 1500s. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. It's more modern than that, but oh, okay. less modern than now. Okay. So the police questioned Richard Klinkhammer at his home. And it said that it was like a home in a little cluster of houses near the hamlet of Ganzen. How do you pronounce a JK? JK. Ganzedijk. Sure. Probably wrong. When they questioned him, it's probably like a Y sound or something weird. When they questioned him, he denied killing her. They put him in a cell, and he denied it again. Mm -hmm. They searched the house. They searched the garden. They couldn't find anything. They brought in sniffer dogs (laughs) to search the garden. The police dug up the garden. The Royal Dutch Air Force flew an F-16 over the garden with an infrared scanner, and nothing was found. Why were they so focused on the garden? Well, because they were... They were sure that he did it, but they just couldn't, without a body, you couldn't charge a crime. I know, but the body could literally be anywhere. Well, they thought that, yeah, they were pretty pretty certain it was in the garden. So, um, let's go back in time. (laughs) (laughs) So, according to Dutch newspapers, Hanny's early life was... um, kind of difficult her mother had actually been murdered oh damn on july 15th 1957 when she was nine years old she discovered the dead body of her 46 year old mother maria she found her oh her mom had been thrown down the stairs (gasps) by her father damn who then murdered her with a hammer oh fuck that's brutal um nobody knows what happened to him so oh. apparently he like got away with it and who knows. Fuck. So years went by and eventually Hanny called up her friend Marikey Merrick Marika 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 What are you saying? Marike Marika Marika 
Anyway, she called up her friend and she was like, I met this amazing person. He's entertaining and he's funny. His name is Richard Klinkhammer. We met in Amsterdam. Uh, He's 10 years older Mm -hmm. than me Mm -hmm. and divorced, but I'm like super in love. So a friend said that she was like obsessed by him. Mm -hmm. Like she wanted to marry him. She thought he was like the best thing ever. In 1978, the two got married and moved to Ganzig <laughs> in mm-hmm. the Netherlands. At first, the marriage was good. He was an author and like an auditor or something, and she worked as a nurse on the pediatric department of the hospital wow. in Winschoten. Uh-huh. They would like hang out with friends. Everything was good. They had their careers. Huh. They enjoyed each other. Uh, Richard invested his pension funds on the stock market like they were hopeful. Mm-hmm. All good. In 1983, Klinkhammer published a book that translates to Obedient as a Dog. Uh, hope they're yeah. not referring Horsam to your wife. Als en Hond, which was about his time in the French Foreign Legion. Ah. The novel became a subject of debate after Sonia Barend accused Klinkhammer of racism towards Jewish people in a television interview. Yikes. He walked out of the television studio and then he eventually published another novel that translates to The Hotel Rat and Other Stories. (laughs) Ah, with the the shag carpeting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I bet there were ho- motel rats. Mm-hmm. In 1987, the stock exchange collapsed and Klinkhammer lost his house in Portugal and all of his money. Shit. And his wife lost her trust in him because he had secretly used some of her money as well. Whoops. Maybe all of her money. Their marriage was deteriorating. He was also abusive. Ah, he would hit is. Hanny, and when he did, she would go and stay with friends. And one of our friends said, I have seen her with blue marks on her body. Uh-oh. So he was pretty violent. Klinkhammer's writing career began to take off. His first book drew heavily on... Oh, yeah, I told that. So the French Legion, the French Foreign Legion, in case you didn't know, is a branch of the French army made up of foreign volunteer misfits. Whoa. The first thing they teach you, he said, is how to kill somebody. The second is how to dispose of a body properly. Okay, uh, sounds like a swell group. And then he published a collection of short stories entitled Hotel Red. So Klinkhammer had an Austro-German background, and Hanny did too. He was born on March 15, 1937, and had a rough upbringing. His mother, Maria Vogelar was an Austrian woman who moved to the Netherlands to be either a housemaid or a personal servant uh-huh. to a border agent. His biological father was Jacob Klinghammer, Klinghammer. And there's some like one article said that his dad was like another person, but his biological father was. So I don't know how long he was involved. 
But it said in 1940, when he was three, his parents divorced. So possibly his dad raised him until he was three. And he was sent to Austria to stay with the family of his mother because apparently he looked too similar to his biological father and she didn't want him around. Yikes. In Austria, Klinkhammer lived on a farm with his uncle. And that was like during World War II. As Austria was being liberated in 1945, he witnessed his aunt being raped and his uncle being chained as they employed Polish forced laborers during the war. Uh, what? So, Klinkhammer, when he was eight, he was transported back to the Netherlands by train. So, he was living with his aunt and uncle, and then Austria was liberated, shit went down, and then he went back to stay with his mom. His mom managed to survive the war by working for the Germans, which, uh uh-oh. She had an affair with an SS officer, Uh and when Klinkhammer moved back to Austria, was with her in Austria, um, when it was liberated by the Russians, he remembered that she was also raped by a Nazi. Ugh, God, Okay. When they returned to Holland, his mother's head was shaved, as was a standard punishment for women who had any, like, relationships with Nazis during the occupation. Mm Because, yes, let's punish women Mm -hmm. in a very public and visible way. Always. So this guy saw lots of traumatizing things. Yeah, he did. Um, But he also had Nazi sympathies. Yuck. Some people say he didn't, but one of his books is kind of like... He had, was, like, anti-Semitic and... <laughs> he was kind of a little bit of a Nazi. She... So his mom... Another article said that his mom spent some time in prison after the Dutch liberation. Mm-hmm. And then until he w- until she was released, he lived with various foster families. And he briefly lived with the widow of his biological father. And he witnessed her death. Oh, my God. Um, but then when his mother was released... Then he was returned to her, and they wandered through the Netherlands. Okay. To make ends meet after the war, his mother was a sex worker, and he later said that she had to make a living, so she did for money what she had done for love during the war. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Eventually, his mother met a wealthy man from Switzerland and introduced her son as her cousin. Oh, so, obviously, okay. he wasn't welcome in this relationship. <laughs> And he was sent back to Amsterdam to live with his biological father and his half-brothers. And there he learned to become a butcher. Just like, oh, that kid that's been following me around? Oh, no. He's just a cousin. Don't worry. He won't he's be just around. My cousin. He's just following me around. I don't know. I'm just like, you know, watching out for my little cousin. But I'll just send him back to his parents when oh we God. move in together. Um, and then he got involved into some criminal activity. I guess he was like a proxy owner of assets of criminals. Oh, okay. uh, and then by the age of 19, he joined the French Legion. That was in 1957. He served in Algeria during the War of Independence and eventually deserted the French Foreign Legion two years later. Hmm. He fled back to Amsterdam through Italy and spent some months working as a chef on a ship in 1960. And then he decided to stay ashore and become a butcher with his half-brothers. Fun. He's like, you guys trained me. I, like, did my thing. And now let's butcher together. Let's butcher. In 1961, he married Leo- Leontine? 
Leontine, okay. Van Emmerich. Um, they had two sons and a daughter together. She was raised. So this is another like I don't know uh-huh. how accurate this is, but apparently she was raised with Hannah Lore, whose mother was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hanny and Richard met and had an affair around 1969. Ooh. Um, he eventually developed a drinking habit. I like how they put that. Uh, a Richard habit. and his first wife bought a studio apartment in Bergen-on-Zee around 1970 and got divorced in 1977. And one year later, he married Hanny Godfrinon. Mm-hmm. That was her maiden name. In the weeks leading up to her death, as the relationship deteriorated, Richard was drinking huge quantities of beer on his own at home. Mm-hmm. So it's always mm-hmm. healthy to drink alone. Mm-hmm. Friends of Hanny's, including the Wheaters, reported the couple's domestic arguments to police. Harry Wheaters said, I was quite certain that he did that he did it, but police couldn't prove it. It was not very professional what the police did. He was more intelligent than the police. Uh-oh. And then one of Hanny's coworkers said that Richard didn't even look for her after she disappeared. Oh. <sighs> That's not a good look. Not really. The local police were described as incompetent. Mm. um, But a spokesman for the police said, we didn't find anything, so we couldn't charge him. Right. They did look, I mean, but not hard enough, I guess. So Klinkhammer lived on in the same house for several years, writing and drinking heavily. Slowly, the suspicion that he had killed his wife began to filter out. And a year after his wife disappeared without a trace in 1991, so she disappeared in 1991, Richard visited his publisher. He had with him a manuscript, which under the circumstances seemed a little macabre. Uh Not to mention highly suspicious. It was like that other guy that you did. Like, if I did it, like OJ's Uh, book. Yeah. If I did it, this is how I would do it. But I didn't do it. Basically. So the novel... Um, which translates to a Dutch saying, which is Wednesday, comma, mince day. Mince? Like minced meats? Yeah. Was a grisly, detailed exploration of seven ways in which Klinkhammer could conceivably have killed his wife. He named himself in the title? No, it was called Wednesday, mince day, but he, oh. in the book, it was an exploration okay. of I see. multiple ways that he could have killed his wife. Wow. In one of the ser- scenarios, he disposes of her body by pushing it through a mincer and feeding it to the pigeons. Oh, oh my God. Pigeons? Really? Wednesday, mince day. Pigeons will eat anything. That's like pigs. I mean, I guess there are they are the pigs of the sky or something. So his publisher, Wilhelm Donker, 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 he rejected the book as too gruesome, um, but details of the manuscript started like surfacing in the underground press. Donker, he suggested that Klinkhammer turn two of the chapters into a crime novel 
And so Clint Cameron did, and he wrote a book called Ransom, which sold around 2,000 copies, which they said was reasonable for the Dutch market. Ah. So he did okay. Reasonable. In Ransom, a man pretends to have stolen paintings from Rembrandtius Gallery in Amsterdam, but in fact has hidden them in the gallery. <gasps> oh. But having read the original book, the publisher suspected that Klinkhammer might have killed his wife, oh. and he asked him. And Klinkhammer replied, it's not yet time to talk about it. Oh, okay. All right, buddy. Um... So basically, the Dutch statute of limitations is... There's a statute of limitations for murder? Yeah. I mean, the fact that there's a statute of limitations for anything is, like, I fucked. know, but, like, But they did. They had a statute of limitations. But during his last years of freedom, he kind of attracted a lot of suspicion around himself. Yeah. So he... Erected signs on his wife's grave, uh, and he would hint like everyone is able to murder someone somewhere suddenly. Okay. He's just a weird. Bro, like if you look up a picture, on. this dude is like creepy as fuck. He looks so creepy. Keep your mouth shut if you're trying to get away with this bullshit. And well, he'd gotten away with it so far. Then television programs started to invite Klinkhammer to make guest appearances. There was an interview with him on Birds of Paradise, which is a series about eccentrics, which sounds like a fun show. What's his first name? Richard Clinkhammer. Richard Clinkhammer. Come on. Uh, so creepy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He looks like an undertaker in like a horror movie. He's got like too much skin on his face or something. Extra bumps, extra lumps. I don't know. It's a creepy face. It's pretty creepy. <laughs> so when the show's host asked Klinkhammer whether he had killed his wife, the writer replied casually. It could be. The villagers say I cut her into pieces and put her in the pond. Oh, my God. With eyebrows like that, I mean, whew. He's so fucking creepy. <laughs> Yikes. So six years after his wife went missing, Richard Klinkhammer hired a lawyer so that he could legally pronounce her dead and sell the house which had been in her name. Oh. In 1997, Klinkhammer moved to Amsterdam with a new girlfriend and began to collect a widower's pension. I just like, how do people, I, I don't know. How do they how find people? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, he's a successful writer, so. Is he? Is I he think you could ignore the creepy money? face. I mean, creepy face. And he keeps like saying things like, I probably killed my wife. I'll tell you later about it. Like, the creepiest shit ever. I know. Very sexy. And I bet the sex was mediocre. <laughs> they, okay, so then when he moved to Amsterdam, he uh, kind of was part of the literary party circuit. He was, like, enjoying his new position Ugh. as a minor cult figure a man around 
second tier crime writers. Uh, so he's not okay. even like black. <laughs> yeah. Cool, bro. So John Shore, a journalist with Devolkstrant, <laughs> a Dutch newspaper, went to visit Klinkhammer's home with his girlfriend and left. Oh, and then he left convinced that he had been spending time with a murderer because Clean Camera is creepy as fuck. Yeah. I feel like you just look at his face and you're like, it's a murderer. not right about that guy. <laughs> He's scary as fuck. Um, so he said he was really working with the fear of people. He made a lot of jokes about dark things, death. It was spooky. And then he'd just be like, I'm just kidding. I don't even know if he would. He just, no, he just blatantly said, like, oh, the neighbors think that I put her in a pond. It's like, cool, bro. Okay, did you? <laughs> so once while digging a hole in his garden, Klinkhammer pointed out to neighbors that it was big enough to accommodate <laughs> a body. God, this dick. I know. His publisher said that he loved the notoriety, but at the same time, he told me his wife was the greatest love of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Meanwhile... New people moved into the house that he and Hanny had lived in. Oh. In time, they so the house sold a couple of times, I think, and so eventually a couple of children bought it, and they were gonna make alterations to the garden. Mm-mm. Mainly getting rid of a tatty shed. Oh no. They hired a digger, and while breaking up the concrete that laid on the floor of the shed. The workman pulled up like a scoop mm-hmm. and saw like a fabric. Uh, and oh. they pulled the fabric and like bones oh, came out. Oh no. And then they saw a skull that was buried in a piece of clay a few meters below the surface. There she is. They basically uncovered a whole skeleton, which the forensic scientists quickly identified from dental records as the remains of Hanny Klinkhammer. Oh, poor Hanny. That evening, Richard Klinkhammer, 62, was arrested in Amsterdam. The next day, he confessed to his wife's murder and was awaiting trial in prison. Mm -hmm. In his confession, if you're going to believe what he said, Mm -hmm. he said that on January 31st, 1991, when Hanny was 43, three years younger than her mother when she was murdered. Oh, my God. Klinkhammer beat her to death with what police believe to have been some kind of wooden bat or a handle. What? Then he dug a hole in the shed, dumped her in it, and filled it with concrete. He used compost to disguise the smell of the rotting corpse. Which, how gnarly is compost oh. smelling in Amsterdam? How? What? I know well, it doesn't smell great, but does it really smell like that? Bad? I don't know. Like what? What the fuck? What was the motive? Just that he was a dick? Basically, well, he was like a uh, an abuser anyway. Right. Six days later, he reported her missing, claiming that he had found her red bicycle at a nearby train station. Mm-hmm. Although later on, there were witnesses that said they saw him placing the bicycle <laughs> at the train station. Like, oh, did you see that? Look, this bicycle is here. This is my wife's. Does anyone else just see? Just like walks it right up there. Oh, yeah. look at this oh, whoa, bicycle. Whoa, whoa. Weird. What? She must have ridden her bike to the train and then left town. Left. Yeah. While he awaited trial from his jail cell, 
he told People Magazine that the couple had gotten into a nasty argument on the night that he killed her. Uh He claimed that Hanny grabbed a wrench and they began to wrestle. Uh From that moment on, I don't remember much. She hit my hand. We wrestled and came to the back door. That's where it all happened. She was yelling, screaming, never stop screaming. (sighs) It's haunting me still. You fucking piece of shit. Piece of shit. Richard Klinkhammer was sentenced to seven years in prison for his wife's murder. I mean, at least he got time, unlike my person. Wait. Oh, no. But was released in 2003 after two years. Why? For good behavior. Bullshit. How are you going to get seven years for murdering someone and then two for good good behavior. behavior for murder? That's bullshit. In January 2016, he killed himself Good. at the age of 78. Piece of shit. The new owner of the house <laughs> was really irritated by the events. Yeah. She said, I've had nothing but trouble with this house. The garden has been completely dug up, and the spot where Hanny's body was discovered is marked by a thin pole waving in the wind. A cement mixer whirs, and builders move around the garage and the green two-story house. Can we come and see the garden? Only if you're willing to pay 500 to 600 guilders. If you pay the money, you can come in. If you don't, you can leave. Whoa. <laughs> she was Like, you didn't even disclose that there was a murder in this house and a body in the yard. And I bought And now this my shit. beautiful garden is fucking dug up. Oh, God. <laughs> so, people who knew Hanny paid their respects in various ways. A small gathering of her colleagues and friends met um, in the small town and laid flowers for her. Hmm. Uh, official tributes appeared in local newspapers. She's been buried, her friends say, somewhere quiet and beautiful. She was a nice, intelligent woman. Everyone was very fond of her, um, said a neighbor. It was, it was, um, sorry. Oddly, though, there are plenty of neighbors who were still willing to speak well of Richard Klinkhammer. Ugh. One neighbor who lived opposite said, Richard Klinkhammer was an eccentric man, but in our eyes, a good man. Just Ew. a wife beater. Many times Just here, a Nazi d- wife beater? Yeah. Many times here, he drank with us. He loved his life. He loved to write books. He built in his garden big monuments. He never talked about his wife. Uh, yeah. He built in his garden a cover-up of his mm. wife's dead body mm. that he was responsible for. Yeah, and he liked writing about how clever he thought he was. In 2001, his new girlfriend that was 35 years younger. Oh, my God. 35 years younger. She said, although a lot of people are very shocked, all of his friends here in Amsterdam know what he's like. And so this doesn't change anything for us. Oh. Then she added... Only my father has said to me, now that all of this has happened, you should be glad that he didn't kill you. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gross. What the hell does she see in him? So had his publisher actually agreed to publish his blueprint for murder Wednesday, Mince Day, he may have been discovered more quickly. Um. Yuck. So, basically, his neighbors and friends still support him. Even his publisher said 
That's what people say. I'm not convinced. I think the murder was an accident, and then he got nervous and thought, my God, how can I get rid of the body? And then he put it under the shed. I mean, it was, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate, but it could have, you know, been one of those things where he was just so used to beating the shit out of her anyway that, like, it went a little bit too far that time. He didn't, like, intentionally go to kill her, but, like, one of these days his, his, like, brutality was going to kill her. Well, that, yeah, that's exactly the thing of it. It's, like, you can trust that they won't take it too far. Like, when you're in an abusive relationship, you're, like, oh, I can trust that they won't take it too far, but they don't even know what that is. Like, they don't, they're not, like, a doctor or, like, a, I mean, even if they are a doctor, like, they don't know. Plus, once they get into that, like, rage and they're just, like, wailing on you, like, they they don't don't have control. Like stop button. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they do, but, like, they're not going to exert control over their own actions. It's just a fucked up situation. But then his publisher, because of the way things happened, he asked Richard Klinkhammer through his lawyer if he wanted to now publish the book. What? But he was like, well, I got a life sentence looming, so no. <laughs> what the hell was that strategy? I, the pu- I, the publisher's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But that's the story of Hanny. Poor Hanny. What a piece of shit. Gross yeah, Richard. Abusive people are suck. disgusting. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg. So Richard Klinkhammer was a tossed salad for sure. Yup. A gross, yucky. As was his thirty-five-year senior. I mean, junior. Junior girlfriend who was yeah. like oh what the fuck is up with you woman and then yeah i don't know gross 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 gross, gross gross hate it <sighs> hate it thanks for sharing welcome <sighs> okay you want to do a couple crime any sakes yeah do you have some yeah and now for the portion that we like to call Crime and Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, I got this one from YucatanMagazine.com. A woman stabbed her husband several times after thinking she found photos of him with a younger woman. It turns out... That she herself was that other woman. The photo of the couple was taken years ago when they were first dating. What the fuck? <laughs> Authorities from from some municipality reported that a suspect identified only as Leonora N. was arrested for wounding her husband Juan N. with a knife after finding several photos on his cell phone. The husband, so fucked up. <laughs> the husband who managed to take the knife from her explained that the photos were of them back when they were more youthful and slim. Juan apparently convinced his wife that he had digitized the old snapshots to store on his cell phone. Fortunately for the man, the police arrived on the scene after neighbors had heard screaming and sounds of a scuffle. Local media last reported that the woman was being detained by authorities pending charges. Oh my god. How are you not even going to recognize yourself? <laughs> also, that to me means that she's like an abusive piece of shit. 
Oh, for sure. But like, yeah, you're not going to recognize yourself, both of you, as younger people. Yeah, you're not going to see that he looks what? like, oh, hi, you look way, <laughs> way good in these pictures. Yeah, like, what? what did you slim down? <laughs> and then bulk back yeah, up. Every, every Tuesday or Thursday, every That's other week, you're so slimming down and bulking up. up. But he survived. Oh, that's so fucked up. <laughs> uh, um, this one's from Newser. When the deputies saw horse feces in the living room floor, they pieced together the mystery pretty quickly. They showed up at a house in Oconee, South Carolina, summoned by a woman who saw her nephew ride by and remembered that her nephew definitely didn't own a horse. They talked. They tried to talk to Gary Chase, Cobble Jr., from outside, but couldn't make out what he was saying. Then they called Cobble's father, who owns the house Cobble was seen leading the horse into. And he told the deputies his son, his son wasn't allowed to be there. When they went in, they saw the horse, or they saw horse poop. They asked Cobble to come out of the bedroom. It was at this time that I observed a full-size quarter horse standing in the middle of the bedroom, one deputy wrote in the report. The horse calmly hung out in the bedroom while deputies took Cobble into custody. Now in the same room together, deputies still struggled to understand Cobble. The only thing that made sense concerning the incident was that the horse's name was Jubilee. The deputy <laughs> wrote, <laughs> Jubilee is fine. But, by the way, the horse owner was located and looked, uh, looked the animal over, noticing only a small cut on the front of its leg. Cobble faces charges including one for livestock theft, he was already wanted on some other charges, including one for throwing a mandolin into a pasture. What? Which sounds a crime? What? <laughs> which sounds much like a Dadaist performance art as a crime. So, uh, yeah, he brought a horse home. What the fuck in the house? Okay, I have a quick one to wrap it up. This one's from Reader's Digest says, Gary Lee Owens, 42, was arrested on drug charges in Sitwell, Kansas, even though police weren't looking for drugs when they knocked on his door. Oh, no. The police, <laughs> the police had received a tip that two fugitives were hiding at that address, and since Owens knew nothing about that, he matter-of-factly gave them permission to search the house. Oh, no. He then added the restriction everywhere but the garage. Oh, the God. police naturally decided that this comment was worth a search warrant, and later found the remains of a suspected methamphetamine lab. Oh my god. <laughs> Dang, Gary. I want, like, being the judge and here, like, that's their proof is like, oh, the guy said we weren't allowed to go in his garage. And they're like, yes, I'll sign the search warrant. Like, I feel like that's not a lot of evidence. Because they're saying it, because he's, like, giving them reason to not go in there. But he, like, let them in his house. I don't know. He could have been like, no, you can't come in any of the house. I don't know. Well. Well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out again. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> check, out, <laughs> check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal. Get yourself something nice, and we will speak at you again. And have a safe and happy... Halloween. Halloween. We'll talk to you after Halloween. After. Yeah, after. Okay. okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Simon is Santa Clausing behind you again. <laughs>